here's another thing. A lot of people think self-love is like all bubble baths and going to the spa and all those things. Sometimes that's true, Cherie, right? But sometimes right. self-love is taking accountability for why you're at where you're at right now and that it's nobody else's fault. Hi, my name is Cherie and this is Life is Cherie. Hello, everybody. Welcome to my show again. This is a special Wednesday because I get to introduce you to one of my friends that I've known for a while and we haven't gotten to chat a whole lot over the past couple of years. And I've just been watching some of the amazing things she's been doing and been really impressed. So I wanted to bring my friend Lindsay Wilkin on and I'm going to introduce her here. Hello, Lindsay. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. I'm so happy to be here. So thank you so much for inviting me onto your show. Yeah. So just so everybody knows, some of the things that Lindsay has been putting out to the world, I love anybody and everybody who wants to put good vibes out to the world. I think we need more of that in our life. And one of the things that I've really loved about you lately, Lindsay, and things that I've seen is just the change that I've seen in you and where you've gone with like really doing stuff for yourself. Cause I think that's really important for women and really understanding that you're not being selfish when you do so. So I kind of want to know, I want you to just kind of give a backstory of what brought you to doing coaching and all the things that you're involved in right now and just kind of tell us your story. Cool. Yeah. Where to begin? So as far as taking care of yourself, that's been a journey. So um, I'm a mother of three kids. Um, my daughter is going to turn 16, which is so crazy. <laughs> so I have almost all teens now. And um, I was born and raised Mormon. And so, you know, the idea was just to be a stay-at-home mom. And I stepped right into that role. And honestly, being a mother is like the pride of my life. I love and adore my children. And I was taught to be a mother from a very self-sacrificial place. I mean, how many mothers can relate, right, Shri? Like, yeah, a hundred percent. I love that you brought that up. Right. And so the idea is you give, give, give. And if you have any time left over, maybe you get to take a bath with some candles. But you know, the truth is, is I was just burnt out. The word that I would use all the time is I'm overwhelmed and I was resentful because um, really interesting. I've been reading Brene Brown's new book about um, emotions and she talks about how resentment is actually envy. It's that you're upset that everybody else is relaxing and you want to be relaxing, but you're doing the laundry, doing the dishes, taking care of all the things, doing the grocery shopping, driving the kids to school, helping the kids with their homework and on and on and on. And I'm not even a soccer mom. So like all you moms out there who take your kids to all of their practices and all the things like good on you. I, I feel like I, it was a good day if I had done my makeup and brushed my teeth, if I'm being perfect. Makeup? When do we ever put makeup on? <laughs> Today I did a little bit. Yes. Fun fact, though, if you are feeling like low and depressed, doing your makeup is one tiny thing you can do that actually boosts your serotonin. So 
If you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling overwhelmed, take a minute and go do your makeup. Not because anybody, not, not because you owe it to anybody, but because it's going to help you feel good to take care of yourself. So I think that the, um, the key for me was my daughter. So I homeschooled my kids too. And when my daughter, who's now 16, when she turned 13, she was like, Hey mom, I want to go to school. And I was like, Whoa, hold on. But I'm a homeschooling mom. My identity was so wrapped around my kids. But of course I wanted to support her. So I sent her to school and I was like, well, and then all my other kids started to go to school. And I was like, well, who am I? What am I doing with my life? And at the time I was really, really into um, exercise and, and really exercise was the one thing that I did. I, that I'm pretty sure pulled me out of postpartum depression. Yeah. Um, it's, it's such a, a weird thing to think back on it because I was so alone raising three children as a, as a 20, 25 year old, not really knowing anything. And I was sad, but I was at the same time in love with my children. It was a weird thing, but uh, there was a part of me that definitely knew I needed something for myself. And um, so I started going down into my basement and working out. And that natural for you, was that something that you were just like, okay, I'm going to go do this for myself? Or was that kind of a hard thing to get in the habit of doing? So that's an excellent question. I think that I'm a more high energy person. And so I've always been really active. I was never involved in sports, but I was always wandering my city, climbing trees mm-hmm. and walking and walking, walking, walking. So um, I think I just had all this energy, but not to mention like in our culture, Sheree, a woman is only as good as she is skinny and beautiful. So there was that pressure too, right? Like, and so I, I had a lot of energy and I was like, may as well try to lose weight and shrink my body. And so you know, all of my motivation to do that wasn't necessarily authentic, but it definitely brought me back to myself. It definitely gave me some kind of identity outside of being mom. And of course, there's all of the endorphins that you get from working out that really do help battle depression and anxiety. And so it really was helpful. So then when my daughter went back to school, when she decided to go to school, um, I was working out at a gym and the trainer at the time would talk about your trapezius and your latissimus dorsi and your gluteus maximus. And I was like, huh, what do those, what do those words mean? I'm so interested. And so I, I asked him what the process was of becoming a personal trainer. And, you know, he told me what it looked like. And so anyway, I guess this is all kind of a long story, but it was when I really started to put time into myself that I noticed I felt better. I felt less resentful And really things started to shift a lot for me when I was going through my divorce last year and um, I was just falling apart and, you know, all the things were changing and I came home from a run and I was exhausted. I was training for a race and I got home and I should have just sat down, but instead I was like, the couch cushions are dirty. So I better take all the couch cushions off and wash them. (laughs) And as I'm doing that, I noticed that the dishes aren't done and I just am angry. I'm like, children. And I just went on a tirade and I'm calling all the kids down and I'm like, you guys never help around the house. And I do all the things and right. Like, yeah, hopefully I'm not the only one that's done. That. You know what I mean though, right? I've been there. <laughs> yeah. and so my 13 year old son, he was probably, he, he was 12 at the time. He's looking at me with this, just like, mommy, it's okay. I got you. Like, I'll take care of you. And in that moment, I just saw that my 12 year old son is trying to take care of me because I'm not taking care of myself. You should have just gone upstairs and taken a bath. And so the next day I had a conversation with my kids about boundaries. Um, I had um, 
a coach at the time who was kind of walking me through a lot of the difficulty. And she was talking to me about boundaries. And I didn't understand what boundaries were before. I was like, but I told them my boundaries and they're not listening to me. (laughs) And when I learned that boundaries is something that I enforce with my own behavior, that shifted things. And so I brought my kids all downstairs and I said, here's the deal, everybody. Mom's falling apart. And that is none of your responsibility. That's my responsibility to take care of myself. And I no longer have the space to do all the things for you guys that I once was doing. So I said, I'll make sure that you have a way to get to school. I'll make sure that there's always food in the house. And I'll make sure that you have all the things you need to thrive. But I'm no longer going to do those things. I'm not going to drive you to school or cook you food unless I intrinsically want to. And I meant it. And I have really done pretty good with it ever since. And setting boundaries has been, oh, setting boundaries is hard though, Cherie. It's like, it, it, it's hard to set a boundary, but it kind of frees me from doing things that I don't want to do and putting that energy into myself instead of getting mad at everybody else for doing things that I want to do. I want to play. I want to relax, you know? You know, I think that's really important though, because we have this feeling inside of us that we got to do everything for our kids and we want to be super mom. I know with me, like I, I've always just wanted to be the best at everything. And being a mom was like the one thing that I'm like, I want to be super mom. I have to be amazing at it. We put all of our energy, all of our effort into all of that. When actually weirdly enough, when we do all of that for our kids, it stops them from growing from actually the growth within themselves. And then it also stops the growth within us because we're doing too much. Right. So I love that you talked about that because I think that's important. And I've seen my kids grow by giving them chores and responsibilities that take away from what I have to do every day. And when I see that they do those things and they're doing them because they know that I need that, that they want to do it for me. I think it kind of shows them how to serve other people. So I love that, that you've done that. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing about this is I want to teach my children how to be, and they, they, they don't listen to what you say as much as they're absorbing who you are. Yeah. And so I wanted to model for them how to take care of yourself and especially my daughter. I mean, my boys too, but my daughter, because I know what it is to be a woman in this culture of ours, that's give, 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 go, go, go. Don't yeah. take time for yourself. And, you know, so I, I, the people, the women that I coach, I actually specifically love coaching mothers because I know I know the struggle and I know the difficulty and they're serving everybody else and they're taking care of themselves last. They're burnt out. They're tired. They want to feel better in their bodies, but they haven't quite figured out how to set boundaries. They're like, Lindsay, tell me what to eat. And I'm like, well, I realized, Sheree, the more I do this, the less I'm talking about calories and macros and broccoli and chicken. And the more I'm talking about boundaries and mindset and self-love and taking care of yourself, right? Yeah. I want to feel better in my body. And so how do I do that? You know? Yeah. You know, I love that because that's the thing that I've learned as I've gone through this journey that I'm going on, just improving myself. I mean, my main motivation for wanting to do what I'm doing with this podcast is that I want to be a better example for my kids. And I realize 
that I wasn't being, I was doing all the things for myself to be healthy, but I wasn't doing it in a way that I was teaching them how to do it for themselves. And I thought, I didn't realize that that was something that I had to actually kind of show outwardly as I was doing it. You know, I kind of kept it all to myself and I was like, oh, I'll just take care of myself and nobody has to know. But I, I think it did my kids a disservice not to have me be open about healthy things and healthy things in our lives. And so I base a lot of our conversations about that. And I think it plays into so many other aspects of our life, just like what you're saying. Like I learned that this mindset of being able to say I want to be healthy for myself also plays into other aspects of our life and the mindset in everything that we do. Yeah. Well, and specifically, I think about um, food and exercise. There's a really big difference between I have to work out and I get to work out between yes. I can't eat that piece of cake and I don't want to eat that piece of cake. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really important that you understand that moving from a space of, I want to, it is your body. Oh, Sheree, I just could preach the gospel of how amazing your body is all day long. Your body is best at keeping you alive and it would do anything to do. So you would die way faster from starvation than you would from being obese and overweight. And that's the truth. And so when people talk about metabolic damage, it's just metabolic adaptation. And a lot of that is the response from constant yo-yo dieting, right? Because women are losing weight because they hate their bodies. And, and it's such a difficult conversation because I, I had actually talked about this in my stories today because um, I was talking to, I, I got a new client this morning and I was kind of walking her through the process. And she's like, Lindsay, can, is it possible that I can love myself as I am right now? And I said, yes, 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 yes. Because What's the goal, yeah. Yes, that is the goal. Like leading from a space of, I love myself, I love my body and I want to feel good in it. And just, and just leading with that thought instead of, I hate myself. But it can be insidious because I think a lot of women aren't aware of the super negative self-talk they have. Yeah. And I think it's kind of culturally ubiquitous, a lot of the messages that women receive about how it is to be a good woman. And so there's a lot of um, awareness that we kind of have to move through during the process. But yeah, like the, the self-love chip with coaching, like it's so important. And look, if you don't love yourself right now, that's also okay. That's a big leap if you hate yourself. But we can move from hatred to neutrality. And from neutrality, hopefully we can move more towards love. And so you don't have to, I think appreciation too. It can start with appreciation. Like what did your body do for you today? If you woke up that can be enough. Like, what are you grateful for? And that's been a huge part of my coaching process as well. What are you grateful for? Because yeah. we also tend to focus on the negative. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love that because that's something that I've actually been learning myself and just being able, you know, when you can't see the things that you're good at, the things that you're successful at, look at the things that you're grateful for in the day and realize that those things that you're grateful for are usually things that you're actually successful at mm -hmm. and start with those small things that are successful. And it kind of helps to improve the way that you feel about yourself mm -hmm. so that you can move forward. So I right. really love that. Yeah. yeah. And shifting your mindset to one of more, um, 
I don't know, looking for the silver lining, but I, this is kind of a nuance too in this world of like positivity. It's not necessarily about thinking positive all the time because all of the emotions are important to the process and honoring them all as you move through them. But it's more about a growth mindset, like focusing on how to move from that space of self-love into the the space. Because a lot, sometimes, okay, here's here's another thing. A lot of people think self-love is like all bubble baths and going to the spa and all those things. Sometimes that's true. Sure, right? But sometimes yeah. self-love is taking accountability for why you're at where you're at right now and that it's nobody else's fault. Sometimes self-love is taking accountability for the fact that your bills are delinquent and you got to pay them. Sometimes self-love is doing difficult things because in doing the difficult thing, you relieve stress and tension and get yourself to a better place. Oh, I love that you said that. That is huge. And I don't think a lot of people, I've actually been talking to a few people about that exact thing. And especially like one of my friends who has been through a couple different divorces and they realized that they couldn't love themselves. They couldn't move past finding the right person until they figured out the things that they needed to see within themselves, change within themselves to be able to improve their lives instead of make it worse. Yeah. That's an interesting thing in relationships too, right? Is we look to this other person to provide us with love. But if you're an insecure person and you can't see that yourself, my daughter talks to me about this too. She has these friends that are like, Oh, I'm so ugly. Oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I'm so, and they're, they're fishing for compliments, you know, and it's, and it's yeah. irritating for Vea and, and I, and I get it. You, you do need to be that source for yourself. You can't expect other people to validate you. You've got to learn that you are lovable, that you are a gift to humanity, that you are a gift to your family, to your friends, Yeah, getting yourself more into that appreciation mindset instead of, and look, I mean, I'm just talking to you. I'm talking to myself through you, right? Like these are conversations I have with myself all the time because I've been, I mean, I struggled with binge eating for a really long time and shame and all the negative self-talk that I dealt with through that, like, you know, after a binge, oh, the shame that you deal with in that space. And you're like, oh, I'm such a piece of, you know, crap. And I'm, you know, never going to get better and I'll never amount to anything. And I'll, what you just get to such a low space. And then you want to starve yourself the next day to make up for what it is that you did. And it's just a different way of thinking. It's got to be a different way of thinking, you know? Yeah. I, I love that because that's something that we talked about last week on my show is just being able to not get down on yourself when you have those days. When you have a bad day, when you binge or when you have a cheat day that you maybe had a piece of cake or something, the worst thing you can do is to get down on yourself and be mad at yourself because what does that do? It creates more of a reason to hate yourself, right? Even more into depression. Mm-hmm. And that kind of works for all aspects of our life where, you know, we can get upset at ourselves because we forgot to pay a bill. I know as a mom, I get upset at myself when I forget to take my kids to an activity that they were looking forward to. Um, just because of working or whatever, you know, I get really down on myself and then I put myself in this depressive stressful mode when I don't need to put myself there. I'm the one putting myself in that cage. Nobody else is. And I love that you talk about that because that is something that many of us do. And it's easy to get into that mode of doing that. And 
we got to realize that we're the only ones who can pull ourselves out of that. Oh, and that you're your own worst critic. Like yeah. the people in my life love and adore me. They appreciate me. Maybe there's some people that don't like me, but that's pretty few and far between. I am the meanest person in my life to myself, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that's probably similar for everybody. And so it's like the thing that you're complaining about right now, probably nobody else even cares. And specifically about bodies, you know, like a lot of my clients feel so much shame. They keep themselves from going on vacation or from going out with friends because they're afraid to show up in their skin. And it's like people do not care about your body as much as you do. They just want your presence. And oh, it hurts me so much to see these people that I just think are amazing keep themselves from connection because they think that others are going to judge them because they're judging themselves so much. Yeah, 100%. I mean, growing up in my family, my mom just never wanted to be in a swimsuit around anyone, right? So she never went swimming with us. She never went and got in the water at the beach with us. And that was a motivating factor for me to just never, no matter what my body looked like, no matter what, how I felt, I always was going to get in the water with my kids. I was always going to do those activities, you know, and, but there's so many things in our life that we miss out on when we hold ourselves back and it's ourselves that are holding ourselves back. Right. Like, you know what you need for a beach body, a body and a beach, like just go out there you know, and it's, it's such a, it's such a, a difficult thing. Cause it does keep you in that really negative feedback loop of, but, but it's like, look, if your pants don't fit you, stop trying to change yourself to get into smaller pants and buy clothing for the body that you have right now. And it doesn't mean that you can't still move towards losing weight. That's fine. But there's really something powerful about one feeling comfortable in your clothing, right? And anybody can dress for the body type that they have. I have two dear friends of mine that I just adore and think are incredibly beautiful. And they shop at Torrid. Torrid is like a, it's a shop for heavier ladies, for curvier ladies. Mm -hmm. And they know how to dress for their bodies so well. And I just love that. They're, they're the, the Lizzo's of the world, you know, that are like, this is my body and I'm proud of it and I'm grateful for it. And that's such a a powerful space to be in. And I know, I think there's a fear that if women accept the body that they're in, that that means they're giving up. And it's just, again, it's a different way of thinking, you know? I think you definitely have to have that confidence start from somewhere. So Mm -hmm. you might as well feel good in your own clothes before you try to make any improvement because otherwise you're going to be trying to fit into something that you might not and you're going to be just depressed all the time. But when you feel good about yourself and you feel confident in the way that you look, then that's when you're ready to make changes for yourself. That well, and so better. Yeah, this is the interesting question, though, Sheree. Let's talk about this, because how does one build confidence? Mm-hmm. So I think for with my clients, um, focusing on the things that they can appreciate their body, uh, they can appreciate about their body. But mm-hmm. also something that I've learned is I think that saying you're going to do something and then doing it builds confidence as well. So you can come at it from a bunch of different perspectives, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Cause I think this is an excellent conversation. How do you build confidence? How do you build self-love? Right. I love this topic. Actually, it's one of my favorite topics and I'm actually reading a book right now called radical confidence and Ooh, okay. I highly recommend it to anyone who feels like they struggle with confidence. 
And people who see me, I'm doing this podcast, I'm doing these lives, and they think, oh, Shri must have all this confidence. And I'm a very social person when it comes to meeting new people. For some reason, with new people, I am really good at it. And I think it's because I've always had a fear of meeting new people. So I've always been the type that whatever my fear is, I'm going to try and go after it and conquer it. I just don't want it to be fear anymore, right? right? So it's really easy for me to go up to people I don't know and try to make friends with them. Now, it's really strange. This is a really strange thing about me is that when I'm in front of people I do know, like... Even if it's just one-on-one with some other person, I tense up and I get really bad anxiety. I get social anxiety with people that I actually know a lot better than new people. And so it's a really strange dynamic that I have. But with this doing this podcast and doing these lives, I am scared to death every single time I do them. I'm nervous. I I don't really, the, the one thing that I've learned in all that I've been reading and what I've been trying to help myself with is you don't have confidence unless you have competence. And by having competence, I mean, you have to go out and try to do that thing before you can have confidence in doing that thing. If we wait around for confidence to show up before we do that thing, it's never going to happen because yeah. you actually have to put in the work mm-hmm. of doing that thing to be confident at doing it. This is so fun because so my daughter is learning to drive right now and she's so <laughs> afraid. Like she has the fear of God in her that she's going to crash the car. <laughs> and in some ways, I want her to have a healthy respect because she is, she's quite literally doing one of the most dangerous things that any human can do, which is drive on the freeway. But I told her you're in a tough spot because what you need to feel better about it is to move through the fear. There's no way to feel confident without feeling uncomfortable first. Right. Well, same with me. Like, you know, people like, Oh, Lindsay, she makes all these videos. Do you want to know the first time I made a TikTok video? Oh my, it was like a lion was chasing me. My heart is like pounding inside my chest. And I'm like, what is going on, Lindsay? This is just a camera. There's nothing here. Why are you so afraid right now? Yeah. The more I did it, the less scary it was. But yeah, there are some things that you just got to deal with the fear. Like that, that statement, feel the fear and do it anyways, is that's it. That's the magic is get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. I love that the, the cold showers that everybody talks about now, it's a fun practice because it's a safe space to be uncomfortable. Like turning the shower to cold is not hard. It's not hard, right? It just requires a simple action, but Mm -hmm. sitting there in the cold water. Oh, it's, (laughs) sucks. But so wait, what is this practice that you do? So oh, I've never even heard of this. So yeah, tell me about it. cold showers. People do this after marathons and after training because the cold therapy is really good for inflammation. But we're learning a lot about the nervous system right now and how traumatized we all are and um, just kind of resetting the nervous system. So one of these practices is taking a cold shower or doing a cold plunge. And what it is, is everything in your body is telling you to get out. But the practice is Hey body, I'm actually going to tell you that this is a totally safe environment. And something about that is it's like a safe space to be uncomfortable, helps rewire the nervous system, but it also helps to build confidence to do difficult things, you know, to have that, that difficult phone conversation to, to, to make the sale, to, to pitch the product, to all the things. Like if you want success, you've got to learn how to do those things. And it's not easy. And 
it, I think it does get easier, but the idea that you're ever going to live a life where you're not going to feel fear or you're not going to feel uncomfortable is false. Yeah. It's not true. And people like you and me, you know, people look at it and they're like, oh, they're so confident. It's, it's because I practiced it. Confidence is a practice. It's a yeah. practice. It's not something I was born with. It's a practice. Mm -hmm. You got to jump in and you got to make it happen. I had actually a family member of mine. They were really uncomfortable going to the gym and they were like, well, I don't want to go to the gym until I lose this amount of weight. And it's like, well, that's the purpose of going to the gym, you know? And it was just this fear of being confident while at the gym, because when they would go to the gym, they would see people who were in better shape than they were, right? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of just this weird mind game that they were playing with themselves, where it was like, you know, you just kind of have to jump in and start doing it and start making it a practice and a habit before you feel confident, you're going to be afraid. And one of my favorite quotes ever is everything you ever wanted or dreamed of is on the other side of fear. Yes. I, I love that because I honestly, that is how I've lived my life, my whole life. I think being born in the, the era that I was born in living through the nineties, like we always watched all of those like underdog movies and stuff <laughs> yeah. like, okay, I'm going to rise to the top. Right. Like, so mm -hmm. Those were always movies about like fears that kids had and then they overcame them. And I just loved every bit of it growing up. And I knew that I wasn't going to miss out on experiences because of fear. And that kind of came naturally to me a little bit. But it's something that I want to help other people learn that they shouldn't let that stop them. They shouldn't let these things that we're waiting till they're confident to make something happen for themselves because you are the only one who can build that confidence for yourself. Well, and the idea is backwards. You build the confidence by showing up without confidence. That's exactly. how you build it. And so it's like, you are, you're thinking about it backwards. You have to just take that leap. Gym confidence is a real thing. And you know, I mean, there's, there's easier ways to do it. Like go and just walk on the treadmill and sketch out the environment <laughs> and do that for a while until you feel a little more confident. But yeah. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's definitely. Un so um, a friend of mine posted this thing on Facebook that I wanted to share because I was just like, it mm -hmm. might work because it's spot on. She said, when we only do what pleases us and never what frightens us, fewer and fewer things please us and more and more things frighten us. Wow. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that too. Because I mean, I think that People are like watching, watching me heal. I feel like I've been pretty open about not necessarily the particulars of my life, but I've been pretty open about my journey with food at the very least. And um, it's all been so scary and so uncomfortable. And uh, there were some really dark times where I wasn't even sure that I wanted to stick around, you know, but it's like showing up, having courage to show up every day and taking, taking in, in that self-love practice as well, right? Like taking a minute at the end of every day to appreciate how'd you show up for yourself today? That's been huge too. Like celebrate your wins. Even if it's the tiniest thing, just squeeze one thing onto your journal paper right now, Lindsay, what is one good thing that you did today? And that was really, that was hard too, but I, I kept showing up because I wanted to feel better and I wanted to move through the, the discomfort. I wanted to move through the pain. And again, I wanted to model for my children what it is to be a powerful woman, to take care of yourself, to, yeah. So I'm kind of in this process where I'm, I'm, 
rebuilding and rediscovering who it is that I am. And it's been really fun. I'm, I'm in this really fun place where just seeing that when you put your mind to something and you make it happen, that's again, like a really powerful thing that builds confidence. So, yeah, I love that. So when you did the, so moving into coaching and doing fitness stuff, mm -hmm. um, how long ago did you start doing that? So I've been, I started with personal training about three years ago. And then when COVID happened and all the gym shut down, I, um, I got a certificate in nutrition and started coaching people online. So I've been doing nutrition coaching for two years and now I'm mostly doing nutrition coaching, but I still love like the personal training aspect of things because I tell you what, girl, if we're talking confidence, there's nothing, there's nothing quite like squatting, like your body weight that makes you feel like a badass. <laughs> Hell yeah, it does. I yeah. love that. Yeah. So what has been your, I guess we, you and I had kind of talked about this before where we talked about how people have just a negative way of thinking about food and diets. And I, I know I'm one where I want people to be able to understand that when we feed our bodies the right things, good things happen within our bodies. And it's not about dieting. And I love how you kind of were talking about it in the beginning, how it really had to be that I want this for myself and not that you're restricting it. So I just want you to kind of talk a little bit about that for yourself and how you coach with that. Oh, yeah. Oh man, I tell you what, where to start with that. So the binge eating was worst when I was um, personal training, actually. And the idea was that my body is my business card. And I really rebelled against that because I just felt like so much pressure to be thin and to be all these things. And that if I wasn't thin, then I was a hypocrite. But I felt like a hypocrite. I felt like the biggest imposter because I would go to work and I would train people and then I would go home and I would eat all my feelings. <laughs> and so it was a really difficult process. And I remember just that I would eat and then I would just obsess over when I was going to eat again. And, and I was like, there's something wrong here. This is not normal. So what's going on? And I started studying um, yoga because I was teaching yoga at a facility for um, teen girls who would suffer trauma. And I had also discovered intuitive eating at the time. And the idea there is just truly connecting to self and learning to trust my body. And so, and um, I had actually worked with a coach uh, just to kind of get a feel for how other people coach. And that was actually really fun. I loved her. She had a British accent. She was so cool. That's cool. But she introduced this idea to me that if you're going to go to food for comfort, allow your food to comfort you. And I like, I don't know why that was so mind blowing at the time, because the truth is, is when I would binge, it was totally mindless. I was not tasting the food. I was not, I probably wasn't absorbing the food because I was overwhelming my body with sugar and calories. <laughs> and, oh, and I just felt awful all the time. And so when I really took note of that, it took me a minute to recognize, oh, there's something that you're feeling right now that's making you want to numb. And that was another thing, recognizing that I was using food to numb. That was a powerful realization too, because, and I actually got this when I was teaching those teens and one of them, one day she had cut herself. And so she had, she had gotten on what they called team, which meant she needed to be supervised all the time. Mm -hmm. And I just, out of curiosity, I asked her, why did you cut yourself? And she said the pain of cutting herself was better than the pain of whatever emotion she was dealing with. And in that moment, I was like, oh my God, I'm doing the same thing with food. I was using food to harm myself. 
And so those, those realizations really were um, quite profound for me. And so when I recognized that I was wanting to go to food and that was, that was difficult in the first place, learning to pause before I would eat. Are you hungry? Okay. You're not physically hungry. You're, you're feeling some serious emotions and you want to numb. And I, there's lots of different things you can do for emotional eating. Like if you're depending on the emotion that you're dealing with, you may call a friend, you may pet, you may pet your animal. There's so many different strategies, but if in the end you decide to go to food for comfort, allowing the food to comfort you and removing the shame. And so I would sit down with a plate, I would plate my food and I would sit down and I would do my best to eat it slowly and, and really taste the flavors and appreciate that I had this food to come for me because it's normal. So many people use food to comfort themselves because there's a built-in reward system, dopamine, right? Yeah. So removing the shame from that. So that's honestly a lot of how I coach. Like shame thrives in the dark. I didn't tell anybody about my binge eating, but when I started opening up about it, other people were like, oh my God, you binge eat and you're like this fit trainer. I do too. Can you tell me how you moved through it? And once I started talking about it and realized how many other people struggled with this, it was like, oh, I need to talk to people about how I moved through this. And I was still moving through it, right? Like I was yeah. learning how to move through it. And so, yeah, a lot of it is holding a safe space for them so that they can feel comfortable admitting to you the fact that they just ate an entire cake, right? Like, hey, I tell you what, when I was going through my divorce, I ate, I ate cake for breakfast, lunch, and dinner one day. Like there's nothing you can say that's going to shock me or make me think you're gross. Like I yeah. get it. I, I understand. And so I think with coaching, a lot of how I coach is with compassion. I never am disappointed in my clients because I know that everything that everybody does is just an attempt to regulate their nervous system. You're just trying to keep yourself safe. So when you can see that as the most loving thing you could do for yourself in the moment, because you didn't have any other tools, and I teach you the tools while we give ourselves grace for the tool that we had that served us while it did. So seeing that as a compassionate option, you know? Yeah. No, I, I think that's awesome actually to one of the things that I've been going through with, with my journey is I'm getting to a point where I'm on a very strict diet cause I'm trying to get to a very lean level. So yeah, girl, I always, <laughs> <you're sorry. laughs> well, I always tell people, I'm like, I'm not doing this because I would didn't like the way I looked or anything. You know, I'm just, this is just something that was going to be hard for me that I'm trying to do for myself. Right, right. Just something that I knew that it was going to take a lot of effort for, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm getting to a point where a lot of the foods I'm eating are kind of getting old, you know, and a lot of them I'm kind Chicken of like, rice and broccoli. <laughs> yeah. And I'm getting to a point where I am seeing that I'm pretty much to my, I'm getting to my goal already, you know, so I'm starting to like celebrate before I even get there. Right. Mm-hmm. And one congratulations, of the- by the way, oh, thank you. <laughs> Um, but the crazy thing is that I learned with all of this is like with the guy that I'm working with is he says, you know, you do need to cheat. Like when, when you're yes. when you get past a certain point of your growth, then make sure that you plan those cheating days because when they're unplanned, that's when we like start to get down on ourselves and we start to like beat ourselves up. Right. Mm-hmm. But I kind of love that you're kind of talking about the same thing where you're saying, you know, plan that meal, plan this thing. And 
get through whatever you're getting through emotionally with that meal if that's what you're doing but on it so that you're not like okay now i need to have cake tomorrow for (laughs) right right like you can be done with that emotion and say hey okay I realized that place where I was at, this wasn't about food. It was about this other thing that happened today or this other thing that happened last week or some way that I'm viewing myself that maybe I need to self-reflect and say, hey, I needed to get through that emotion and food was my comfort for today. But tomorrow's a new day and I'm going to live it to my best. Right. You know, the the all or nothing mentality is so damaging. It's like all or something, all or something. Right. Like that's a way better way to see it. And I think with with food, you know, it's so when when clients come to me and they're like, hey, I want to train for a competition. I'm like, cool. Let's look at some things really quick, because honestly, some of those competitions are ripe with eating disorders. And so I think that you're in a different space where you're like, have a healthy relationship to food in your body. And so that is a beautiful space to like work the macros and work the calories because it's a totally different way of seeing, like you have this goal and you're excited to see it through. And I love that for you. And I also have thought about the same thing. I thought it would be kind of fun to like journey what it would look like to get a little bit leaner. I, I'm still debating on whether I want to do that, but I think <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's difficult. And if you don't have a healthy relationship to food in your body, it can be a really, really difficult process that can drag you down a hole. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as the cheat days, this is something that may seem trivial, but I like to call them refuel and refeed days because when was cheating ever a good thing, right? <laughs> But like a refuel and a refeed, your body actually definitely needs to replenish the glycogen stores. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then when, you're, when you're in a fat loss phase, how long have you been in a fat loss phase for? Um, I'm, I actually am more in a muscle building phase. Yeah, girl. Okay. So cool. I don't, I, even from the beginning, like I just, I didn't really feel like I needed to lose weight. So I probably just for a month, I did like weight loss and then. Good for you. Cool. That's fun. And I love that too. Like building, building muscle, actually you need to be in a calorie surplus, which is difficult for a lot of women to eat more food to build. That's been my issue is I've been, I used to not eat as much food as I eat now. Like Mm -hmm. I eat crazy amounts of food and I'm, it's a whole different way of thinking and I love it. Right. And like the amount of protein that you need to eat to build muscle is like way different than anything you've ever eaten before, right? (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And so then it's like, look, I can have the cake, but if I have the cake, it's going to get in the way of my goals. And what's more important to me, the cake or the goals, right? Pleasure in the moment or the thing that I want long-term that's going to take a lot of of effort and a lot of patience and time. And I mean, sustainability-wise, it takes, I think it's like a month to build one pound of muscle. Like building muscle is super difficult. It's actually harder to build muscle than it is to lose fat. And a sustainable fat loss is about a half a pound to no more than two pounds a week. But that's another thing, right? Like people have such unrealistic expectations for losing weight and gaining muscle. You know, it's like you really want to work with your body. You can do a really extreme calorie deficit and lose weight really quickly, but that's so damaging to your body and your hormones and all the things, right? Because again, your body wants to keep you alive and it does not know that you're willingly dieting. It just knows it's getting less calories. And so it's going to be like, okay, we better slow things down a little bit because we don't know what's happening and 
Yeah. It's so interesting. Bodies are so interesting. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That's what I realized I was doing because, you know, I didn't really, I always based all of my eating habits off of things I learned growing up. Right. And right. there were so many damaging things I felt like they put through different diets and through the media that were not healthy for us. And I learned all those so ways. People, right. Yeah. So many people are afraid of bread. So many yeah. people are afraid of carbohydrates. Like, I've got two clients right now that are afraid to eat fruit. I'm like, oh, what has keto done to the world? And like, look, if you intrinsically love eating keto, that's cool. Good for you. But I'm going to say that it's it's done a lot of damage to a lot of people. You know, just <laughs> fruit is not bad for you. It's great for you. So, but yeah, just fear all of those like ideas that you learn from diet culture and watching your mother diet, I assume, because I watched my mother diet my entire life. Yeah, dieting was always going on in my house. So I was always, I mean, when I was 12 years old, I went to the doctor and I, this was the first time I ever thought I was overweight. Like I never saw myself, <laughs> yeah, I never saw myself this way. Like I always had dieting going on in my house, but it was never something that I ever thought about for myself until I was 12 years old. I go to the doctor and my doctor told my mom, he's like, she's overweight. We need to put her on a plan. And looking back, I'm like, I was not overweight. I was going through puberty. And that's kind of what happens when you go through puberty. Your body changes. Yes. We need our, our daughters to understand that that's a natural process. And yeah. I talk about that with my daughters all the time because they're teenagers. You know, I got a preteen and a teen right now. And they've got to realize that that's just the process that their body goes through. And I didn't lose any of that weight from going through that till I was in my early twenties. Like that's when it started to come off my body, but it was just because of going through that stage in my life. And that's why I, I really want like younger women to understand like teens that your bodies are going through so many changes in that time and to just love your body and take, make sure you take care of your body, but don't hate your body for the changes that it's going through. And I think that's a really hard thing because I know that's when you turn 11, 12, well, actually like 10, 11 is when you start to realize how other people view you. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're self-aware all of a sudden. <laughs> And it's such a hard thing because then you go through all those body changes at that same time and it's hard. And I, and the one thing that I do with my daughters is I just want them to understand that they have amazing bodies, but they, there's still to be things to be taught about being healthy and wanting help for themselves. Um, but one of the things that I think is, has been kind of amazing is just watching your journey and being able to see you go into coaching and changing that for yourself. I mean, people don't realize that once you start learning how to self-love, that's when your whole world can open up to you. And I definitely have noticed this about you over the past little bit. And, and that's one thing that's been inspiring me about the things that you post and things that you do. And I can see that you're doing that for yourself. Yeah. And it's kind of a weirdly like, infectious when you start loving yourself people notice it people see it and i think that that's just something that through coaching everybody gets to have a little bit bigger piece of and understand what it means to self-love because i don't think a lot of people understand what it means to self-love so for you what would you say would be the first step for somebody who wants to i mean there's a lot of women especially in our the state that we live in 
that are going through the stage of going from being a self or being a stay-at-home mom to getting into a career or starting their own business. And this is one of the, gro- the groups that I'm opening up this week to be able to bring women on to be able to help support each other. And, you know, if you're trying to go to get an interview, I want you to come and get some advice from the women that are going to be in the group and just open up yourself to other women who care about you and want to help you learn self-love and learn that confidence by taking those steps. So for what I'm kind of wondering from you, like what would you recommend for a first step into maybe that self-love and being able to make that change from being like a stay-at-home mom into a career or? That's a really good question. Um, Setting boundaries around your time doesn't feel good, right? We're coming back to that uncomfortability. but you you feel it afterwards that you have the extra space that you're less resentful that you're and so getting really clear about what it is that you want what is it that you want maybe you can journal about it um maybe you can meditate on it i don't know i think figuring that out is step number one what is it that you want from your life get really clear on the steps that it's going to take to get you there and start moving in that direction and know that your focus is going to be less on your kids and more on you but also know that that's so good for you and your kids. Yes. I love that you said that because I don't think moms understand that. Right. No, there's just all this guilt and don't get me wrong. Like I still feel the guilt, like leaving today because my son was a little bit sick. He wasn't feeling very good. And Oh man, the, the parenting guilt. I'm like, will it ever go away? I don't know. I'll let you know. My kids are teens right now, but, um, I think that it's not debilitating and the trade-off of joy that I experience, and not just the joy that I experience, but the, um, the incredible miracle it is to watch your kids thrive and solve their own problems and move through conflict is uh, priceless. And they can only do that if you step out of the picture. You know, don't want to solve other problems and they don't really want you to solve other problems. You've got to let them solve their own problems and start solving your own problems and you solving your problems will show them how to solve their problems. Yeah. And I don't think it's a bad thing to let them be a part of that process sometimes, you know, like maybe it's something that you're problem solving. That's not too personal that you can share with them. Yeah. You need to actually see it being done. They can't just be told kids do not like to be told, especially if you have teenagers. Right. Yeah. I don't know anything to my teenagers. Right. But right. when they see the actions that I'm putting forth, that's when they actually really learn it. Right. Like right. you've got to catch it, not chase it. And so, yeah. yeah. And yeah, having, cultivating that time where you can have those conversations with them, right? Like family dinners, honestly, are a great idea or some kind of, some kind of time where you can all gather, or maybe you spend individual time with each of them, put it into your calendar, right? So you're having these conversations with them. And like, look, my teens, I'm having conversations with them about sex. I'm having conversations with them about substances. Mm-hmm. Look, teens are practicing being an adult. So you've got to have these hard conversations with them. And it's actually really fun. It's really <laughs> cool to see how they're forming their ideas of the world. And I actually love having teens. Can we dispel the myth that teens are awful? Teens are amazing. <laughs> you know, what? I actually have loved that myself too. Like my kids, like especially my daughter, because I'm always like she has a, a boyfriend right now. Yeah. And- 
and he's two years older than her. So it was a bit nervous for me to have her have her first boyfriend, you know, but I constantly am having those conversations with my kids about substances and about sex. And, you know, this is the way that we deal with it at my house is I start talking about it. And my kids are like, mom, not and we've talked about this already. Right. <laughs> and I love when I get that reaction because guess what? When I was younger, I was like, um, dad, I'm 18 and I kind of already know stuff already. Right. You know, I didn't want to be in that place, but we, I grew up in such a different type of world where we just didn't talk about that stuff. Oh, same here. And that was not helpful as a teen. I'm lucky that I wasn't a pregnant teen. I'm telling yeah. you that right now. Lucky. Yeah. I was not taught anything about sex. I wasn't taught anything about contraceptives. I wasn't taught any of that. It was just don't do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of... It, I love the idea. There's um, this podcaster that I love to listen to. His name is Ed Millett. I don't know if you or Mylet. Oh, um, the thing that I love about him is he talks about it is our choice. It is our ability. It is our wave that we need to make for our family to change our family tree. And he says, you are the only one that will change that branch. If you don't change that branch, nothing will ever change. And so with my parenting, with everything that I'm doing, like even just trying to be healthier for my family, you know, I'm changing that branch in my tree to have a different understanding of life. And if I don't make that wave, if I don't make that happen, then that won't change. You know, I can change the whole legacy of every my the generations that come after me but unless i do it it's going to stay the same and it's going to keep wrenching in the same direction yeah absolutely and i mean i think that's another part of like you know mothers transitioning to a career or trying to change your relationship to food in your body is like you got to be aware you got to be aware of what's <laughs> actually happening because i think you know i think about this all the time what is the difference between say two kids are raised from an alcoholic father and one grows up to be a motivational speaker and the other one grows up to be an alcoholic? What's the difference? And I think the difference is just one was aware that he wanted to change the narrative. He wanted things to be yeah. different. And the other one got stuck in that shame guilt cycle. And so you've got to get yourself out of that shame guilt cycle. It's not helping anyone. It's just keeping yeah. you stuck. You've got to get out of it. Yeah. And we all kind of have those things that we have trauma in our past, right? And oh, yeah. our big things that we need to work through so that we can have that progress. Um, but just a few last things that I wanted to go through with you. So Lindsay, you do a lot of great outdoor workouts and you do a lot of indoor workouts and yeah. the fun food that you've been posting. You're going to share some of that with us, right? over the next couple of weeks. Sure. So, yeah, absolutely. And you guys, I'm going to have all of Lindsay's information on here so that you guys can connect with her in any way that you'd like to connect with her. Um, she's such a, an amazing inspiration if you're wanting to get your health on track and just life coaching in general and mindset. So I really been impressed with Lindsay and all that she's doing. She's putting out to the world. It, it means a lot to me to see other women out there doing the same thing. So I really appreciate you being on. And I'm going to also have a group for fitness and um, we'll post it all in there if, if that works for you. And I'd love to. That way we can engage and you guys can let her know how you guys are doing her workouts or trying out some of her food so that we can get some feedback and know how to move forward with it. That but would be so fun. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. This was so fun to have you on. I really appreciate your time today.
Well, thank you for having me on. It's been great chatting with you. Okay. Well, you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Okay, you guys, this was so fun. I love having these amazing women on my show. And I want to bring more women into my tribe, into my group, because there's so much that can be accomplished and so much that we can change the world by just us women being able to be the powerhouses that we are and be the motivation for our families and for the people around us. We need that tribe to be able to thrive and be our best. So I love you guys. Hopefully this was fun for you as it was for me. You guys have a wonderful week. See ya.